When you stay in a constant state of meditation on God's laws, you live in a constant state of revelation of who he is and his many facets as I've talked about in this last episode and just how wonderful he is in any aspect of life when you're just sitting on the couch, sitting on the toilet. <laughs> yes, you can get revelation to sit there. Uh, you can get revelation while you're working, working on the house, working in the garden, working anywhere. <laughs> you could get revelation anywhere because it's a state of meditation. It's a mind place when you're thinking on God. And I know for me, one thing for me is I know I am not a, I'm not going to say not a perfect person because I've talked about that. Perfect means complete. And in him, I'm complete as long as I'm in him. So that's not what I would say, but I know I'm not a flawless person. In fact, I know without God, I am a very, one thing that helps me to be humble. One thing that's helped me. And that's part of the reason why I'm in a weird way, glad that I've certain doors were open to me that I would have never opened because I grew up reading the Bible all the time, praying all the time. And I didn't necessarily have a self-righteous mindset. Then I knew how to love and stuff like that. And one of the biggest struggles of my life has been learning to relearning to love, <laughs> relearning to love when you've been taken advantage of for half your life. And then you go the opposite way and then you learn to love again. And then that, yeah, that's, that's been the story of my life is relearning to love, I guess for half of it anyway. But like I was saying, growing up, reading the Bible, doing all this, treating people right, even getting taken advantage of and still seeing the good in people. It, it's an interesting journey because at that point in time, I really didn't see that much wrong with me in the sense of, you know, not that I was just a, like I said, flawless individual, but then it's just like, I read the Bible and, you know, not like these people, because that was the, that was really the basis of my righteousness. You know, I'm, I'm not doing what other people are doing, so I'm good. But eventually certain doors were open and a lot of it was my fault, but eventually I allowed bitterness to open certain doors in my life. And I uncovered a world of sin. I uncover things that I never thought I would uncover. And it helped reveal just how wicked, even without all that, but how wicked our heart can really be and how evil we really can be. And, you know, not that you act on every thought that comes to your mind because everybody has wicked thoughts. And then there's thoughts that don't come from you and you just learn to quench. But there's certain things to where, like I said, I know you know, I opened the door to this. This wasn't just only something random because you get some really random wild thoughts and it's easy to condemn yourself when you have that. But the thing is, it reminds you even when you sin and even when you mess up, as long as you're in obedience to God and you learn to cast things down and learn to live in a state of repentance, that this isn't condemnation. This is change. This is chastening. I'm getting convicted and I'm changing right in this moment to cast down these thoughts right in this moment. And it's a continual thing and you grow. And as long as you don't meditate on sin, because it, it's a think on these things. So lovely, so honest, so pure, so true. Think on Jesus. Think on God and his righteousness. 
seek those things and everything good that you need will be added unto you. So, like I said, as I started to think, like I said, I, I've gotten, like I said, even just revelation on a lot of things that just seems so simple. But I realized it's a lot deeper than I thought it was. And this is the Deeper Waters podcast where we put on our spiritual scuba diving gear. So, you know, obviously I got to do some scuba diving myself before I get on this podcast. And I've just been thinking about a lot of those different things like I've talked about in the Dimensions episode, such as the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, the blood, water, and the Spirit, the hope, faith, and love, all sorts of different things. And... As I was thinking, like I said, I've realized I need, I constantly feel like I'm relearning to love, but then again, I'm in the love of God that I need to learn to love. And as I say, every episode, the love of God, John 14, 15, John 15, 14, 14 is obedience. And all of first John also tells us that as well. But the thing about it is, even as you become obedient, you learn as you read throughout the Bible. It says other things about love. And the big revelation that I'm getting about love is that love is not only a state spiritually, but it's a covering. It's a state of being covered. It's a place where we have to be under love. We can give love, but we have to be under love. Love is something that we submit to. And we're covered by and we're protected by because the Bible says love covers the multitude of sins. The Bible also says that perfect love casts out fear. Why is that? It's because love covers, it protects. And the thing is, the Bible also talks about reproof and love. It talks about rebuke in love. It talks about a lot of things, but the purpose of it is to cover and to heal. And even when it talks about rebuking and reproving, the first step in rebuking or reproving is to just confess your fault or to confess your offense with someone else in private. Then if they don't repent, then to bring another person in and then after that, bring it before the congregation. So unless God where the Holy Spirit leads someone to rebuke somebody openly, which can't happen. Um, most of the time it's going to take place in a more private setting because the purpose of it is to cover, not to cover your sin. Cause a man who covers his sin cannot be forgiven. So at some point you need to have a place to where you can be vulnerable in that place of love to where, you know, you're covered. And if you're covered, that means if I confess my fault, I know that you're going to pray for me and you're not going to gossip about me. Or if I confess to you that I'm sick and I need prayer, I know when you say you're praying for me, you're really praying for me instead of I'm going to pray for you, which really means I'm going to tell everybody about your business and pray on your information. So we need to learn how to pray for people, not pray on people. That's another thing we need to learn about. But like I said, I've been learning that love. And that's been the big revelation, especially for today, that love is a covering. It's a state. So. Before I dive into our scripture, I'd like to open up with prayer, but I'm very excited for this episode. And I'm sure for the people who struggle and hold on to this episode, uh, this podcast, it's a relief to see a title that is pretty positive. <laughs> and, you know, I don't leave any I don't like to leave any sides unturned. I don't 
like to give a sugar coated anything. So I'm very excited for this episode because it's important. So let's open up with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you provided for us. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the tongue of the learned, the ears of the learned, that you would enlighten our eyes by your covenant, that you would enlighten our eyes by your commandment, that you would lead us and guide us in your perfect way, that you would open our eyes so that we would learn to love, that we would learn to listen, to learn to submit to you so that we can be covered by your love, that we could stay in your state of love to dwell in that secret place of love. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just lead us and guide us, that you would give us revelation, that you would give us wisdom, the wisdom that is in your love, that teaches us to build and to cover one another, to submit ourselves one to another, to love one another, and to do it your way, loving you first, then loving others. So I pray, Lord, that you would lead us to practice and to be disciples, and to do things the way that you desire them to be done. And I pray that your desires would become our desires, that our desires would become come under yours, that we would bring our lusts under you, our desires under you, and to exalt your perfect way. Because we know that when you be lifted up, you will draw all men unto you. So, praise you, we thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen. So I always talk about John 14 and 15 and 15 and 14, but we're actually going to read John 14 and 15 today because it talks about this state of covering. So let us begin. John chapter 14, verse one. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, I think it's important. Pause here. I talked about troubling two episodes and I talked about the troubling of a spirit, but the thing is, your spirit may be troubled, but your heart should not be troubled. Your soul should not be troubled. You should have peace there. Your spirit being troubled is just an indication of your atmosphere. But letting that atmosphere get to you is when your heart is troubled. So, anyways, let me continue. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know that the way ye know. And Thomas said unto them, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Threefold right there. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye have known me, ye should have known my Father also. From henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long with with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but of the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the words. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else for... 
believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father and whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. Ye, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now here's a favorite verse right here. John fourteen fifteen. If ye love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth of whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the, my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. So right here, we kind of see how, like I talked about in the last episode, all the ways of the Lord lead to singleness. It leads to oneness. It leads to complete peace and agreement. And that agreement is in an order. So we have God, our father in heaven. We have Jesus who came in the flesh and his spirit that dwells within us. So we have to come under his love. We have to come under his covering. In order to be in his love, how do we come under through obedience? That's why there's his love language is obedience. And that's the same structure with the home. First is Christ, which is the head of man and the man is head of the woman and they're the head of their home as well. So that's why it's very important because that's the only way you can be one. Otherwise, if it's a partnership, which is a popular word, but that's not biblical because we're not in partnership with God. We're under the love of God. That doesn't mean that we don't have a say because when we're under the word of God and we're under his will, we actually get more of what we desire. When we are submitted, we get more of what we desire. But when we try to be head with God, we can do things our way and God's still going to get his way, but we're not going to be happy. We're not going to be at peace because we're not in this mode of order in the peace, which is agreement. And even to hold our peace, to be silent when we don't agree and to just submit to God, that is how we get our prayers answered. It's when we keep his commandments, anything we ask, he will do it. And the thing is, most of the time we don't do that. Even being a seasoned Christian, a lot of times we still don't do that in the way that we act in the minute things. But the thing is, we have to submit to his love. And that is how we end up in a place of singleness to where we're one spirit with God. So continuing on. This brings the manifestation of God, the love coming under the covering of love. That is what love is, the covering always. So. Verse 22, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words, words, keep his words. 
So that's how we keep under the covering is by words. We listen to what he says. We submit. There's a reason why the more spiritual you are. So the more. The more that you are in a spiritual authority, the more eyesight that you have. But usually the more subservient role. It comes down to an ear, like I said, talking about wickedness or ignorance, which means you are ignoring ear, ignoring when you're in wickedness, you're in a state of ignorance. As um, what's it called? It's first Corinthians 14. It talks about if you don't acknowledge your commandment, you could be spiritual or you could be ignorant. So you're deaf spiritually. That's exactly what Jezebel was. That's what Eve became ignorant and she was also beguiled she didn't even know that she was she just wasn't listening whether you do it on purpose or you tune it out it leads to ignorance because you have to be able to listen being in that role but and that goes for everybody we have to learn to listen to god to hearken to his voice as isaiah 50 says because there's going to be times where you can't see there are going to be times when we're walking in darkness and the only way we're going to get through is to be able to hear the voice of god because there's going to be times where you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's going to be times where we're walking through things that we can't quite see everything spiritually, but we can still hear. And that's why we have to have ears of the learned so that we can continue to walk when we can't see everything right spiritually. That's also why we need a covering for when we can't see right. Similarly, in the home, sometimes, like I said, it's a structure with the man and the woman to where it's not about, you know, all this, you know, you never get what you desire, the foolishness of the modern world. And like I said, it's not that there wasn't, you know, the things in the, especially this country were not perfect. And a lot of other countries aren't perfect because it's not necessarily completely godly like we like to claim it is. But God's structure and the people who do it God's way all the way and not just certain aspects of it. When. You are in emotional distress and you're really leaning more on your soul and your flesh rather than actually empathizing with the spirit and logic. You do things that aren't logical and you don't see right. But when you're able to hear, even when you're not seeing right, then you can begin to adjust yourself, even if you can't quite see everything because you're still in a soulful state. Which we still need to have that soul. We still need to be able to hear. But like I said, it, it's a lot more with hearing. We learn to hearken to the words and those words wash out and cleanse us. We're washed by the water, the word. It washes us out so that we're able to continue in cleanness and not defile ourselves with our own words. <laughs> so spiritually, as if you cover, you can see more. The spirit is always in line with the eye. It talks about if your eye be single, that's talking about your spirit as well. So continuing on. If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me, loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings and the word which hear, which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. Now, notice another thing, and it talks about there's certain things. The prayer of an unrighteous man is an abomination to the Lord and. The sacrifice of an unrighteous man is unacceptable to the Lord. Why is that? When you are the one in head, like God is, and you're not submitted to God, but you want to speak, why would he hear you? Why would he hear you? He doesn't have to hear you. Similarly, what happens 
what happened to why did Adam get cursed or why did it talk about don't be won by the conversation of your wives, which is a sight thing, because it's not just the voice, but conversation is mannerisms. It's a conduct. So it's something that you're looking at. That's how Adam was won in the first place. And the thing is, they were cursed for listening to the lower. So God is not going to listen to us unless we have reverence for him first. That means we have to be obedient to him first and we have to have respect for him first. So. Which I don't want to get into another episode, I'm making another episode about how we know if we're right with God, depending on the way that the flow is going, because all the ways of God for us, we have to be receptive to God versus if we're always giving. And that's not to say that we don't give. I'm going to elaborate on that point. But faith is about reception. So grace is giving and faith is about receiving what was given to you. But if we are justified by our works, that means we're giving God something versus we received the commandment from God and we did it. And that's the difference. And I'll, I think I'm going to make an episode about that. Hopefully, hopefully I make an episode about that. But that's a whole revelation in and of itself. But the thing is, when it talks about fearing the Lord, that's our hope. When we're undercovering, we have an expectation. So that's the other whole other side, that hope, that motivation, that expectation, because we have that expectation under this covering. We're going to be protected. We have that expectation under this covering that we're going to be, like I said, protected. It's something that we can trust. We can trust the outcome that is coming from this protection. But the one that's doing the protecting He's not necessarily worried so much about what you want because you may want to get out of the protection. He's worried about protecting you. So, like I said, it's very interesting. Anyways, obedience keeps us under the protection. Disobedience takes us out of the protection. And that means he's no longer liable for you. If he's trying to shield you and you get out of the way of the shield of love, then whose fault is that? You decide to get out the way. That means you're not his. You said, I don't want your help. I don't need you. That's what you told God. So, you know, like I said, I, I've been very, you know, establishing, uh, unfortunately, a controversial issue. But this goes for everybody, because what you're seeing in society is a manifestation of how we are all to God. I don't need you. I can support myself. That's exactly what we do to God all the time. Even though we just so desire God, God, I, I just want God. Just like God, some people, man, I'm, I'm harping on this point. I just want a man. I just want this. I just want that. But you're not doing nothing to get that. It's the same thing with God. I just want my prayers. answers. I just want this. I just want that. But we don't listen to nothing. We don't ever do what he says. And then even when we try to, we find a good like somebody who finds somebody good. We find a good God who is doing good things for us. Oh no, he's too good. This is too good to be true. We can't believe that. And we go on ahead and continue to do our own way and then wonder why things aren't working out because all things work together for the good of those that love God. So we have to stay under the covering of God instead of rejecting his love. Cause there's something that'll happen for you to you if you reject his love. And we'll get into that in a moment. So let me continue on reading. So, Verse 24, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the fathers which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. 
But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. So this brings stability to the soul. It covers your heart. Neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come unto you, come again unto you. If ye love me, ye will rejoice because I said I will go unto the father for my father is greater than I. And now I have told you because. Before it come to pass, that when it come to pass, you might believe hereafter. I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the father. And as the father gave me commandments, even so do I arise. Let us go hence. So we also see here that he said, if you believe me, you will rejoice. What does the Bible always talk about? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving into its courts with praise. So going into this idea of reception, if we're walking in true faith, we are receiving the things of God. And then how do we respond to that? Obedience is better than sacrifice. What is the point of sacrifice? Sacrifice is not to prove to God that it's not the, the point of sacrifice is not to make it's, it's not it is agreement with God. That is what it is. But it requires obedience first because sacrifice without obedience is to say this is my works. But the point of sacrifice is not that the point of sacrifice is to tell God I've received what you've given me or I'm trying to get your attention even further, even though I'm already submitted to you. You have to have that aspect of submission first. So that faith, that sacrifice of faith, of praise, of thanks that comes from your expectation in God. So they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Love and trust have a complete bond because if we love God, if we're under the love of God, then we trust him. So the thing is that goes right back to our hope because hope is based in. So faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen and our faith worketh by love. So if we're under the love of Christ and his love is within us, that means that in turn, we give that hope back. So similarly to how the Christ in the church works, we reverence God, that hope because we respect him. Why do we respect him? Because he does what he says. The same reason why the church respects Christ, because he does what he says. The same reason why a wife would respect her husband. The wife should not respect a husband that is not submitted to God because he doesn't necessarily do what he says. He thinks he's God, you know, but a wife that submits to her husband is not just submitting just for her sake, but doing God's all things unto the Lord. And the thing is, too, she sees that he's submitted to God and he's going to do what God says. So then she trusts that he will do the best. Period. So similarly with us, we have that reverence for God. We have that hope in God. We have that respect and all for God. We have our hope, our expectation. We're motivated to do the things for God. That hope, the way we express that hope is in our praise and our thanks and our rejoicing. And that's why God was so against the murmuring, the complaining, the evil report, 
because it's not that we can't have any emotion. It's not that we can never. But when you're in a state of murmuring, a state of complaint, a state of evil report, an evil report is not something that is rebuke. Like I said, an evil report isn't even a prophecy that we don't like. An evil report means I don't believe what God said. Even if that an evil report actually can be against murmuring, complaining against the chastening of the Lord. So it's not about the chastening on a word that we don't like or prophecy we don't like. Murmuring and complaining in an evil report is saying, I don't believe God is going to do what he's going to do. And I don't agree with God. So I'm going to stay in this place of disagreement, discovenant, leaving the covenant of God, leaving yourself uncovered, going out of the way of God. So then your your hope turns into doubt and fear. And because you fear, you begin to run and you're no longer stable. So now you went from fear to what's the opposite of faith. It talks about unbelief. So faith is belief. And because we believe we work unbelief. And a lot of times, like, for example, in Hebrews, when it mentions unbelief, the Greek word for that is disobedience. So now you no longer believe in God. So your faith has become demonic. So now you went from belief to unbelief. So your belief turns into disobedience. So now you're working disobedience, which is going to bring the wrath of God. And now your love has turned into lust. So now you've elevated your will above God's will. So instead of saying, let your will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not mine. Now you're saying, forget your will. I'm going to do my will. I'm going to do my will way. And because I'm the way now, I'm my, I have my truth. This is my life. That's what you're saying to God. Instead of saying Jesus is the way, truth and life, you're saying I have my own truth. I have my own way. We say that all the time in this generation. This is my truth. That's their truth. Well, they are going to hell because they think they got their own way. If, especially if you believe this book is what, why would you ever validate that? Why would you ever validate that? That's foolishness. It's ignorant. But the way of God, like I said, we submit to him and then we believe that. So when the problem with murmuring is that it brings us into a state of disbelief, it brings us into a disobedient state to where we elevate our own ways and we have lust. And what happens when you're moving in lust? It leads to duality, but also the instead of covering, you go from covering to consuming so that envy, hatred, lust fornication you go into a consuming mode to where instead of covering someone you're consuming everyone around you and other people around you're consuming you so it's two people fighting at once instead of one coming on one under another and even within the brethren it talks about the brethren of christ should submit one to another so we're trying to serve one another and not trying to beat up each other and lord over each other that's not what it's about so the way of god it's to be rejoicing because it's a place of trust. It's a place of peace. He that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the most high. That is the way that is the secret place. It's love, a place of obedience, a place where we pray and we seek his face and we turn from our wicked ways. Then he will hear us. Then he will heal our land. Then he will do what he desires to do from us. Then we will walk in our destiny as disciples. As disciples, we must understand what love really is, because that's the only way we can show love. Because I see so many people and there's times where a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people end up contacting me from all these organizations, Christian organizations and stuff a lot. You know, at least while I'm in college anyway, 
and they meet with me trying to give me some systematic theology and blah, 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 or their systematic way. And they got their own system of how to evangelize and they do it all from the flesh. And I'm not going to say that there's nothing, no progress that is made, but it's not led by the spirit. And I know there's one time where I decided, you know what, this person's been bugging me. I'm just going to go ahead and evangelize. That's why you can't have peace without unity. Peace of God requires unity. You should have peace with all the brethren. But if a brethren is a heretic, heretic meaning sellout, they've sold the truth for a lie, then you can't work with them. You can only rebuke them twice. And then after that, let them be. So the thing is, like I said, we must walk in truth. So what happened that time? And I think I might have talked about this once on that podcast is I went on ahead against my intuition, against the leading of the spirit. And I went on ahead and evangelized with them. And at first it was going good. And then they started to talk about the Holy Ghost and certain spiritual topics and other spirits. And I knew what I believed because the other spirits are real. They're just demonic and they're seducing. And there's an effect that comes from them. and also there's stuff within the spirit of God that we have to, you know, to separate ourselves from that and to combat what these attacks are. But I knew we didn't agree with that. And that would have brought that instantly would have brought division. But because we had false peace, there was no truth there. We were falsehood together. And if I would have said the truth there, we would have been in division and it would have defeated the purpose of us evangelizing. So that was my hard headed way of learning that I only can evangelize with people who are walking in the truth. And if I had to walk that alone, that's so be it. Now, that's not necessarily what I'm saying, you know, because I'm not walking that alone. But I'm just saying that for that that case, a lot of people are trying to show the love of God, but they're showing lust. They're just trying to add you to their desires. They're trying to add you to some church or some club or some organization and have numbers. And even if that's not their whole intent, the thing is, if you're not under the love of Christ yourself, if you're not submitted yourself, then everything you do is not going to be effective. Like I said, it's not that God can't use you because God can use a prideful person. God can use God can use the devil if he wanted to. Like he can use anything. He doesn't, he can use evil to do good. Like he can turn things that were evil into good, but to be effectual and fervent in your prayer, to be effectual and fervent in your discipleship and effectual and fervent and have victory in your own life, you have to submit to the love of God. So every time you disobey in that secret place, you give into lust, you give into idolatry, you give into that inordinate affection and you have, you have, uh, an obsession you have an intense passion. If you have covetousness and you're looking around at other people like the Pharisees, that's how they got their righteousness is by looking around. Not that we don't look around at all, but we don't compare ourselves. It has nothing to do with that. You should not be comparing. But when you're doing that, you're removing yourself from the love of God, which is idolatry. Idolatry is an uncovered state. So continuing on like i said when you're in the love of god you trust him and you rejoice and you will always be in that state of joy love joy peace love covering joy i trust you and i'm praising you no matter what happens it's not happiness based off of one circumstance because i think myself happy because even if something bad happens to me i'm still fortunate happy means fortunate that's why they say happy go lucky fortune so happy it's fortune. So I think myself happy even in trials because I'm fortunate and I have joy because God allowed this to happen to me. So there's something good that's coming out of this character development, a blessing coming out of the strength that's coming out of this. So love when you're undercovering, 
the ways of the spirit. Then you have joy and you're able to praise in every situation. Be thankful always peace because you're in agreement with God, long suffering, able to endure different things because you are in the covenant of God. Gentleness. This is something a lot of people lie about. Kindness and gentleness, which love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. That's the way a lot of times I've heard the fruits of the spirit. And that's not accurate because kindness and gentleness mean the same thing. And it does not mean because a lot of people now say be nice, which means be ignorant. I'm not going to be nice. I'm done with that. It don't work. It doesn't work. You just get ran over that way either way. So they say be nice, which means to be ignorant, which is exactly what you do when you being nice. When people tell you to do that. What's another thing people say? Be gentle. Usually and gentle doesn't mean be soft or effeminate. That's not what that means. Now, there's a time to be soft, you know, maybe with other, you know, depending on your role in life. But, you know, like a soft answer turns away wrath. But it's not always time for that. It says the ways of God sometimes is foolishness to man. But like I was saying, gentleness and kindness mean the same thing. Like kind, race, people, a kind of like a type. That's what kind means. A family. A kind, same thing with gentle. Gentle comes from the word Gentile. So like a kind, a race, a people, a family. So kindness means you're family. So in the spirit, we're no longer Jew or Gentile. We are family. So we're in a place of kindness and brotherhood. That's what that means. So love, joy, peace, long suffering. So able to endure and allow, make forbearances. So and go through different things. We have. The other fruits of the spirit, which is gentleness. So we are family because we're in peace. We're all in agreement, not agreeing in the sense of acceptance and tolerance. No, we forbear, but we're agreement and truth. You have to have truth to have peace. It's not ecumenicism. We're not just joining together because though hand join in hand, the wicked will still perish. That's what Proverbs says. So we're not unifying just for the sake of unifying. We're unifying around truth. And when we unify in truth, then we have peace. In Christ and then we have family in Christ because we're in one spirit we're not trying to know each other after the flesh we know each other after the spirit so even if we disagree on some things in the flesh as long as we agree in the spirit in the spiritual world I actually saw something uh, and this just goes to the fact that we need to just start looking at things in the spirit because the things you do in the flesh are just not effective when it comes to evangelism anything and Basically, the video I saw, and I'm not even big on politics at all anymore. I don't even pay half attention because it's all fake is what it is. But anyways, there's a lot I could say about that. Growing up, a lot of people were like, yeah, Amani is definitely a conservative. Oh, like I literally had people when I had Facebook, I had people in the comments arguing about yeah, even when I was younger, like before, like what we can't even vote and people are arguing. Yeah, he's definitely a conservative. Yeah, he's definitely no, Amadi's definitely a Democrat. He's liberal. Blah, blah, blah. No, he's this and that. And I'm like, no, I just have a stance on everything. And it's not, a, I don't take labels. I don't do labels. I'm not Democrat. I'm not conservative. I'm not uh, homophobic. I'm not gay i'm not this or that i'm amani i'm who god created me to be 
So there's no label that you can put on me. You may think whatever thing and you can make your own judgments. You free to do that. That's God given your ability to make judgments, even if it's the wrong one. But the thing is, at the end of the day, the only judgment that matters is God's. And that's the one that's going to get executed. So you're free to say what you want to say. But the point is, I, like I said, was watching this thing and it was a political thing. And basically what happened was these parents got mad and they went up to their school and they were like, Hey, we want these books banned from the school. And they were like, anything that our organization says we want banned, pull the books. And they had some inappropriate books. They got a lot of really nasty, inappropriate books that they're trying to feed our children. They're pushing the pedophilic agenda through a lot of different things. They've been actually doing that for a while. The point actually, and I'm about to get into a little bit of stuff, but you know what? You know me with tangents. So I'm going to go ahead and go down this tangent and then we're going to get back to the scripture. But the thing is, before I even tell the story, the LGBT before it was that it was actually going to come out as the man boy love association. So pedophilia was a part of the open door in the first place. And really the door opened before that because the sexual immorality started when the peace and the structure of the home failed with divorce. So once divorce became a accepted thing about what is it, 30, 40, 50 years ago became a regular thing. It started to tear up the structure of the home. And I started to notice actually that the door was open because I was at somebody's house and, you know, I don't really, I'm not big on TV anymore, but if I'm at someone's house and the TV's playing, I'm not going to melt. Like it's not that it's not that, <laughs> but anyways, that this movie playing and the parents were divorced and I watched the person interacting with their two dads. Um, and they weren't, like I said, it was, they, they had a stepmom and a stepdad, like, they were, they both got remarried or whatever, but I was just watching the interaction. I was like, no, this is what that did. That got people used to having two dads that got people used to having two moms. Then what happened after that? They normalized. So they destroyed the marriage structure. They destroyed the family structure. Then they destroyed. They tried to normalize other forms of sexuality. And really it's not even homosexuality because homosexuality means same and that's based out of pride. So pride is always the open door of that, which is what they call. So when you're too into yourself, you're too into building yourself up. And there's a lot I can say. I'm about to go down a whole different tangent with that. But I'm going to cut that off and save it for another day. But like I said, that opens the whole door to that. Then, like I said, with them switching the roles of stuff, because I was watching videos about how a lot of, like I said, the education system alone is tailored towards female brains because their brains develop quicker than men's brains. Like I said, in certain areas, in certain areas. And I was watching the videos about a lot of different stuff, both on women and on men that just popped up. And this is a compilation of stuff over the past month. And I don't necessarily just watch the stuff. Like I'm just saying, this is stuff that I've noticed from like maybe a compilation of like five or six videos I saw over the past two months. So like I was saying, they also were talking about how there's a lot for one, a lot of women are making more than men now. And it's projected to do that. Like, like I said, um, the thing is, the issue is a lot of people, when they're talking about these male and female issues in the workplace, they're looking at the rich men that are at the top of everything, but not everybody else. Who's actually the lower class. A lot of the people who were working jobs that used to pay well, do not pay well anymore. Like the hands on jobs, they're either being automated out of existence or they just don't pay well anymore. 
And a lot of those hand tactile jobs they took out and they're taking out and they're being replaced with robots. So what's happening is not only that, women have already started to go into a lot of male dominated roles like lawyer. So it's not uncommon for people to hear a female lawyer. And like I said, the point of me bringing this up is not that I'm against that. I'm actually I don't care about that. You know, I'm not against that at all. That's not why I'm bringing this up. I'm trying to bring up this agenda that has been happening and in the works. So anyways, a lot of women have went into male dominated roles, but then there's also men who are struggling to get into the woman dominated roles. Like they said, heel jobs. So STEM jobs and heel jobs like hospitals and certain other jobs like home care, um, daycare, taking care of kids. And they, they were talking about how men are starting to shift to some men are starting to shift to those jobs and they're being rejected right now, but it's becoming their goal is to make that accepted. Another thing that's being normalized is the woman being the breadwinner winner and the man being the stay at home dad and, you know, taking care. But the thing is, like I said, I'm not really even for either of those, the stay at home mom or stay at home dad. I think one is better than the other. But really, like I said, there's a subservient role. But in the Bible, they were both working together. But like I said, there is, if anything, one of those structures is better than the other. But the point is with them ramping up fornication, social media has made us addicted to our phones. It's also amplified people's lust, depression, sexuality, fornication, pornography. A lot of people are going to start to be at home and they're going to start to switch to where a lot of things that men like to do are going to be home based. And that's going to further, like I said, that pedophilic type of stuff. So that's why I'm praying against all that, because like I said, their goal at the end of all this, outside of what they're legalizing with children, they've already legalized stuff in other countries. But like I said, the goal of all this is this flip all this. Like I said, they're pushing a lot of different agendas. But like I said, the goal of all this is to open up the world of fornication because fornication is the quickest way to get demons into you. Because if you become one of, with the harlot, you have fornication with the harlot, you become one with them. So it's a, the easiest way to transfer demons, even if you watch it. But their goal is for this to become regular. So, like I said, that was a tangent to the real story I was supposed to tell. So, like I was saying, there's a bunch of nasty books out there normalizing. Like I said, there's a video of some kid naked. In, I mean, not a video, like some book with a kid naked with an adult and other stuff. Like there's a lot of strange books that they're making out like gay BCs and stuff like that. Like, why do kids need to know not even about sexuality, but like that realm, but like anything to do with that period, even if it's a man and a female, like they don't need to know that at that age. You know, they, they still don't even know what they are half halfway, you know, they're not at the age to know that. But like I said, I was not against the cause of the parents in this video. So in this video, they were asking for this man. I forget what state it was like Iowa or whatever. And they got it passed. And the one of the very first books that they got struck down was the Bible because they said the Bible had pornographic content in it. And it really does, because there's some very violent scenes in this Bible and they can do nothing about it. And the people in the comments were talking about how Christians are hypocrites and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, if I saw that video about two years ago, I would have got very angry. But when I saw that video, when I saw it like about a week ago, I was like, you know what? what what we did there what the christians did there which a lot of those people that probably don't read the bible the people who had the bible in the school the kids probably ain't reading that either um but like i was saying 
when I when I listened to that video, I was like, first of all, that was crafty. That's a good checkmate. Two, that was a stupid move because what you try to do was censor the truth. What you try to do is censor not that censor the truth. What you try to do was censor in this nation where we're supposed to have freedom of speech. You censor it. You allow the door to be open. So the door's already been open. There's no shutting it at this point. It's only going to get wider. And anything you try to do against it in the flesh is going to come back to us. So that's why I said we cannot put our faith in politicians and in laws. And it's not that we can't pay, shouldn't pay attention. We should be paying attention and trying to resist further, you know, pushes in that area. But like I said, at the end of the day, it's going to be the prayers that change stuff. Because they have the, if they want somebody to win an election, they're going to win. And even then, the people are picked anyway. They're all friends anyway. They don't care. It's what it's what the Satan and the principalities want to happen is what's going to happen. They're all connected. There's nothing that is everything in the flesh started in the spirit is what I'm saying. So the point of me bringing all that up is the foolishness of trying to do things in the flesh, even with good intention and even things that look like they make sense in us for a second, because the way of God is the opposite of that. The way of God looks like foolishness to men. But like that, that seemed like a wise idea. Let's ban these books. And then the first book that was banned is the Bible. And these have these other books probably not going to get taken out. So it's still going to be a hypocritical policy. But like I was saying, that's the type of stuff I'm talking about to where it's like I stopped paying attention to that stuff because it don't matter. Like I said, I, I need to be aware of what's going on. But I very rarely look at any of that. Because it's the spirit that matters. And we need to make sure that we're praying in the spirit and operating out of the love of Christ. It's not tolerance. You know, we need to be bold and take a stand in our life, you know, about certain things and not ignore certain things. We need to stop ignoring fornication. We need to start ignoring all these different sin issues. But like I said, we need to ultimately take all this to the Lord in prayer because that's the only way things are going to change because he raises up rulers and tears them down. And the only reason why we have bad leaders is because even though we have so-called Christians, we're not living the life out. Therefore, we're getting leaders that act like because that's the way God judges people is to give them a leader just like them, if not more wicked because of their wickedness. And then eventually, not only did they have that leader that was wicked, they were delivered into bondage of a completely heathen king. So that's what's going to happen. We're going to lose spiritual leadership in the flesh if we do not have the spiritual leadership in the spirit by God. So that's why we need to stay in the love of Christ, which starts with obedience. You cannot love without the obedience of Christ, because if you try to love somebody and say, Oh, well, God loves you, baby. Even though you sin, even though you've decided to accept an identity for yourself that's not of God, even though you fornicating, even though you shacking up with this girl and shacking up with this, even though you smoke and blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, God loves you. But that's going to take you to hell. And that's what the that's what the end of the day is. And it's not that you need to say it like that every time. But like I said, the love of Christ, if you love God, then love others then you can actually be bold enough to tell the truth. And the thing is, when you love others, it's not just about throwing the Bible at them either. Because what good does it do if you just teach them? Because the thing is, and I'm going to talk about this in a different episode, God has to call somebody for them to be saved. So other than you planting seeds, there's nothing that you can do physically that can save somebody. Now, God can use you to save somebody, but people are going to be won by your acts and by ultimately what God does in their heart. So there's nothing that you can do to save somebody. All you can do is be obedient to what God gave you to give to someone else. And he's also going to lead you to be loving to people, not just in that sense, 
you know, and just living the lifestyle and being bold and saying what the Bible says. But it's also going to be to help people out. You know, if you see they need help with the bill or they need help with this or that, be helpful. To serve, you know, even to your enemies, to be loving to them. And we know how to love that way. So love that way, too, because that makes a difference, too. And then people will be more receptive to when you have to love in that other way of reproof or correction when God leads you. So continuing on in the love of Christ, love is about covering. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love casts out fear so people can build trust with you. Because they're not building trust in you, they're building trust in the God in you which is the comforter within you. They can be comforted even when it's something that they don't desire to hear. They can be comforted and they can be comfortable being vulnerable. That's what God does is make us be able to be vulnerable and to confess our faults, to confess our needs. That's why I said recognizing I could be the most wicked person in the world, but at least I'll know it. And the thing is that makes me aware that I need God and it's not a place of condemnation. I need God because I know how messed up I can be. I know my potential for being evil, but I also know my abounding potential in God. And that's what this is about. Staying in that love and trust. And we can be vulnerable with God and be honest with him in our prayers. So then we could be effectual and really deal with things and not cover it up. So continuing on John chapter 15, it says the following in verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more more fruit. Now, before I continue in that, Psalm chapter one talks about they that trust in the Lord. So the righteous are like a tree planted by the waters. Psalm 52 talks about how there's the evil man who trusts in his riches and his wealth. But I will be like a goodly olive tree that is planted in the house of the Lord. Think about the olive tree is that. It's one of the most resilient trees out there. So it may look completely dead and dry, but it can come right back to life. And that's how we need to be in God to where no matter what comes our way, we are resilient. We press towards the mark, no matter what the stat, the situation is, though we may be troubled and perplexed. We are not in despair, as I believe Second Corinthians chapter four talks about that. We may be troubled, we're, you know, we're distressed, you know, all these different things. We're not defeated. Or more than conquerors in him. So even though we go through trials, we can still be resilient in him. And then the things is he continues to prune and prune us and correct us, chasten us because he loves us. He chases us and takes off the things that are not profitable for us so that we can be stronger. That's the point of chastening and that love. When you're in the love of God, it, you won't be cut off, but he will. He will take off some stuff out of your life because it's going to make you stronger. So, like I said, in love, you can be corrected. So when you're in love, you can receive correction. A fool cannot receive correction, but he that is wise will thank you for correction. And the thing is, there's times where I've been corrected by people who were not corrected, but there's times where I've received. Like I said, I don't receive everything from everybody. I don't I test everything. I don't care who you are, but there's times, you know, even people who aren't full of the Holy Ghost, they've said something And it gave me perspective and I may not have agreed with everything and I may have agreed with nothing, but it made me aware of, okay, this is how this is perceived. And even though, like I said, I need to go with God, what God says ultimately, but there are some times to where it's like, okay, you know, note taken, 
like I said, because that's what wisdom does. You can actually understand. And like I said, you may think this person is utterly foolish and they may be utterly foolish. They may be out of their everlasting blasting mind. But like I said, wisdom will give you understanding of where they may be completely wrong, but I understand where they're at. And I know how to work with this person, possibly if they're not completely foolish and not able to receive if they're able to receive. So continuing on, like I said, if you're covered in love, then you're not fearful of what people say because, you know, it's, you can trust that this is going to be for the better. So continuing on now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. What is the point of the commandment? What is the point of the word to cleanse us? This is the water of the word. And we're supposed to be able to hold this water as well. And ultimately, when we believe God, we should be flowing with the rivers of living water, which means wherever we go, we should be speaking cleanness into the atmosphere and not defiling the atmosphere. Because we should not have sweet and bitter waters, two different wisdoms, according to James chapter three. So and that's something I need to work on, because. Even like I said, being righteous, not righteous. Um, what's the word? It's not righteous. That's not what I'm saying. Very I can be zealous, you know, and I've become very zealous about certain things. But even when you disagree with people, love covers sin. So you still need to be able to confront people, you know, and you still need to be able to take a stance for truth. But you, you should not be blaspheming. And there's a difference between slander and blaspheming and gossip. So slander gossip is false, but blaspheming is just speaking evil. So you can be speaking the truth, but if it's not for edification purposes and it's not to bring a witness and, you know, like I said, if it's not for godly purposes, even if it's you're right. And even if this is something that you're just angry about and this is true and it's something that you even it's something that's a righteous cause and you're speaking evil, you're still speaking defilement and you're still speaking out of the old man versus, you know, what we're just going to pray about this. And I'm just going to take this to God. I've already taken this to that person. And I'm not going to keep talking about it. I failed at that multiple times this year, multiple times this year. Actually, that's probably the greatest place I've failed is blasphemy this year. Against certain people who I've disagreed with, um, especially in places where I've been disappointed, like I said, looking up. Um, but like I said, I won't go too deep into that. But the point is, um, we need to learn to love and that covers sin. That doesn't mean we avoid issues, you know, because there's going to be time for confrontation. But like I said, it's supposed to be in an atmosphere that's covered. And then we don't take that anywhere else. We deal with it with the person. And like I said, there's a procedure for that biblically. But like I said, the point of the word is to always leads to cleansing. It always leads to restoration. Love always leads to restoration. So continuing on. Now ye are clean through the word, the water, which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Remember, love is a place where you stay in. You dwell in the secret place. Psalm 25 talks about how we get revelation in the secret place. How we're protected in the secret place. Verse five, I am the vine and ye are the branches. So this is Jesus. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. Nothing you would do is effective. That's why he, whenever Jesus was talking to the Pharisees who were hypocrites, he would say, you've made the word of God 
of none effect through what your tradition. So you're doing things your own way, through your own methods, through your own schemes, through your own ideologies, through your own philosophies, which may sound great, but this I'm not in it. So it's not effective. It may look effective, but spiritually, it's not effective. That's why you can't do anything with God. But without God, all things are possible. So if you're under his covering, you can do anything under his covering. So verse six, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Psalm, I mean, not Psalm, Isaiah 50 talks about this. My servant walks in darkness and hears my voice. But there's other people who walk in the light of their own fire. They don't trust in God, even in the darkness. They're making their own fire. They have their own light, which means their own spirituality. So their father's the devil. So they have their own light. They're selfish. They've made their self an idol. And their judgment is they're going to be burned and left to their own consequences. They're going to dry themselves out and die because they can't receive the water of the word because they're making their own fire. They have their own light. So continuing on. Verse seven, if ye abide in me and my words abide in ye, you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Why is that? Because you've internalized the word. So you're not just washed by the water of the word, but you're drinking of the water. You're partaking of the water. So now the water is changing you and sustaining you and giving you life. And then the things that you speak because you keep receiving this water, it's going to matter. Life and death are in the power of the tongue as well. So when we pray in agreement with God, then it brings forth life. It brings forth effectual prayer. Verse eight, herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. This is an aspect of discipleship. Like I said, we need to work on ourselves too. So as the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are... My friends, if you do whatsoever, I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servants know, knoweth not what is his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father. I have made known unto you. So we just read John a little bit ago. John fifteen fourteen. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Notice before that he said, greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friends. So the purpose of love is to cover, which means you're laying your life down. So when you're outside of the love of God, you're living your own life and your own covering. So you're laying your own life down for yourself in selfishness. But God lays down his life for others. And then the people who we love, we lay down our lives for. So even like I said, personal convictions have been turned into our own thing. It's turned into a doctrine of devils. But really the purpose of those conviction scriptures that it talks about in Romans and I think Corinthians as well. The purpose of those stories were to lay down your life. He said, because Paul said in those scriptures, not I'm going to do what I want to do because those things may be um, allowed, lawful. They're not expedient. He said in those scriptures that 
if I offend, I'd rather not eat meat again. I'd rather not do this again. I'd rather not do that again. If this is going to cause somebody to stumble in their faith. So that's the purpose of these convictions is to go take it further because you may not care about certain things. You may not be worried about it, but you know, this is going to mess somebody else up. And technically you can do this, but because I desire to elevate in Christ and to love others, I'm going to mortify this desire in my life because this is going to help someone else out. That's true personal conviction because all that other stuff is foolishness. And I can tackle that in another episode, but that's enough for today. This is love to lay down your life, to mortify yourself, to put yourself down and crucify yourself daily. That is love. That is love. So continuing on, henceforth, I call you not servants for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things have I that I've heard you of my father. I've made known unto you. I think it's interesting because it does. Jesus refers to us both as servants and as friends, meaning we still serve him, but we are also his sons. We are we know him. And the thing the thing that makes us more than servants is because we have an inheritance in him. And also we know him. We get to know what his will is by his word. His word washes us and cleanses us and restores us. But his word also makes us know what his will is. So why would you not partake of that? I'll never understand how we have the Bible and we are trying to say, if it be your will, Lord, do this. No, read the word and you'll figure out healing is his will. It's not his will that anyone should perish. His will is to heal us. But there's reasons why we're not being healed. And we have to study his word to know that, to understand his will, to understand his laws, to understand how things work in the spirit. So that when we pray, we will be effective. That's the love of God to cover and then we will be operating out of the love and prophesying in the love of Christ. So continuing on verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Like I said, this is we have to receive love from God and then we're able to give it. But we have to receive first. The life of God is all about receiving God. And we receive his commandments and we receive his direction. We receive gifts from God. We don't give him nothing for real. All we give is trust to him, which is in thanks and praise. I trust you. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus, because I know you're going to do what you said. That's all we can really give him. Everything else we do is just obedience to him. Like I said, we can give submission to him as well, but that's about it. But he gives us these gifts. And the thing is, sometimes we don't like to set these gifts because sometimes that gift is chastisement. Sometimes that gift is a punishment and we don't we don't desire that. But the thing is, as you grow in Christ, you learn to receive that, too, because you learn that this pruning is actually going to continue to help me to grow. So continuing on, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask of the father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that you love one another. So notice this switch. The proof that you love God is in the way that you love others. So first you must love God because you can't love people, a God that you can't see if you don't love the brother, specifically the brother in first uh, John. But here it says love one another and it even talks about loving your enemies. So if you don't have the ability to love, to cover others, like how do you cover others? What happened with Stefan? Enemies, people who hate Christ or people who love God and it, 
It talks about in the last days that people are going to serve the devil and think they're doing the God of servants by killing the true Christians. So what do you have? What do you do when you have brothers and sisters or even people of the world stoning you and killing you? What happens? Stephen covered by forgiving. Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm still preaching the truth. And that's why they tearing me. They're trying to tear me up right now. I tore them up the truth. So they trying to tear me up right now. But even though they're killing me right now, and even though they're in the wrong, Lord, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Because if they knew what they were doing, they would stop. They've chosen to be ignorant, but I pray, Lord, forgive them. And hopefully one day they get a revelation. And I trust you to do what is right because you always get justice. You always get vengeance. But that's not what it's about. Lord, forgive them. Cover it up. That releases God to do what he desires. And that also releases his covering over you. The forgiveness it's given unto you. So then we're able to give to others. So that's the evidence we're able to forgive and forbear, not tolerate, but forbear, which means we bear burdens with people. So we don't leave them stagnant, but they should be growing. That's not the same thing as tolerance or acceptance. Forbearance moves forward with people, but it makes allowances as they move forward because everybody's always going to make mistakes at some point. At some point, you're going to make mistakes. So continuing on, we have to love one another. So we learn to cover one another, submit ourselves one to another. We learn to come under one another, to hear one another when it's something good, something bad, regardless whether it's about us or somebody else. We learn to hear one another and correct one another to sharpen one another. That's love. We cover one another. So verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of this world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I have said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. They persecuted me. They will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. But now they have no cloak for the sin. Notice when you reject God in unbelief, it brings you to a place of uncovering. So while they try to attack, because I said, like I said, when you first it goes starts with doubt and fear. Then it turns into unbelief. Then it turns into lust. And like I said, it talks about in the Bible how we need to get out of the flesh because the flesh always leads to lust, which leads to consumption instead of covering. So you bite and devour everybody and you are violent because there's only two religions in this world. The religion of Abel, which lays down its life or the religion of Cain, which is wicked and kills other out of envy because it's not spiritual. So there's the spirit and the carnal. There's two ways of life. And like I said here, it said that the people of this world are hateful, but they have no cloak. They have a cloak of covetousness because the way that they justify themselves is I'm better than this person. I'm better than that person, like a Pharisee and a Pharisee is not even necessarily somebody who's righteous because you could be a sinner and be like, well, at least I'm not a murderer. Or at least I'm not a, you know, doing bad things to people. And, you know, at least I'm, you know, not this sexual predator or I'm not this or that, you know, you find someone else or, you know, he, the thing is, the human mind has the ability to always justify itself because the thing is, you can be a druggie and you could be sitting next to another druggie and be like, oh, at least at least I have all my hands. At least I have both of my eyes. At least I have all my teeth in my mouth. At least I have, 
you know, this or that. Like you will always be able to find a way to justify yourself no matter how far you go. And that's part of the reason why I talked about the revelation of destruction. He breaks us down to the point to where we can finally be humble. Because if you could be humble without all that, then he won't do all that all the time. Now, he may do more stuff to strengthen your faith through chastening. But the point of destruction is to humble you. So you destroys your pride. But the thing is, when you're prideful, you consume and you become puffed up and you become a glutton. Like I said, glutton is led by their bellies and their gut is their God. So that's what the way of the flesh is. Your belly is your God and you're devouring one another and you're devouring other people. You're moved by envy in all your ways spiritually. But the thing is, at the end of the day, you have no cloak. You have no covering. So even though you're sinning, you're moving in darkness. But as soon as the light is turned on, you're exposed. You have no covering. So the point of love is to cover. But when you're moving in lust, when you're moving out of the flesh and not in the spirit, because against such, there is no law when you're walking in the spirit. But there is a lot of things against the ways of the flesh. So when you're walking in the flesh, you're uncovered, you're unclean. So God's goal is for you to be covered and you have to be obedient to have that covering. Continuing on. But all these things, what they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him. Actually, let me skip down. Okay. Verse 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned, but now they have no cloak for their sin, no covering. He that hateth me hateth my father also. Okay. Let me move this microphone. Okay. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not sinned. But now have they both seen and hated me, both me and my father. So they become blind. They become foolishness because they saw what the truth is and they rejected it. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled. They hate me without a cause. But when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the father, he shall testify of me and ye shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. So we see love is about covering. That's what it's all about. It's about protection. It's about healing. It's about bringing together. And even like I said, first uh, Corinthians uh, 13. Well, not 13. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13. Yes, about love. But it's smack dab in the middle when it talks about the gifts of the spirit and operating in the spirit and in the order of God. You have to have order to have the love of God. But the thing is, love is a key component because that is what you need to be restorative. You're not moving out of covetousness. You're not moving out of the flesh. You're not sensual moving off of your feelings, but you're loving. You're moving out of the truth. And I know I'm going over, but I'm going to go ahead and read this love chapter, which is only 13 verses. So it's 13, 13. OK, so first Corinthians 13 and it's 13 verses. So it says the following. So it, we just talked about the Previously, it talks about the body of Christ being joint members and how we have different operations and different spiritual gifts. And following this, it talks about the operation of the prophetic, which uses understanding. But right in the middle of this, we have to understand love because faith our action works by love. So all of our actions, whether it's good actions or bad actions, so good faith, bad faith. All of our actions work by love. So if you're in Christ, your actions work by love. 
But if you're not in Christ, your actions work by lust. You're working out of your own desires and you're going to bring forth. You're going to be judged and damned by your own decisions, by your own rejection of Christ, because you're laying your life down for yourself. You only care about yourself. So what is love? First Corinthians chapter 13, verse one, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels. So speaking in tongues is not just English. It's not just earthly languages. It's celestial languages as well. But have not charity. I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling spirit, tinkling symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move, remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind, which means you treat everybody like family. You treat everybody in the spirit the same. Impartiality. This is what this is what this is about. Impartiality. That's what it is. So not having respect to persons just like God. So charity envieth not, it vaunteth not itself, so it doesn't brag on itself, it's not arrogant and puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly, it seeketh not her own, and it is not easily provoked. So you're not going to be irritated easily either. Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, which means when things are unjust you don't rejoice in it even if you liked what the favor of it even if you like the outcome of a situation but it's unjust you're not going to rejoice over it but rejoice within truth so you will always be happy when truth comes to pass beareth all things believeth all things hopeth all things endureth all things so you keep your expectation in all things you're able to bear through all things you're able to hold on no matter what and continue believing in Christ throughout it all charity never faileth whether there be prophecies, prophecies, they shall fail. And whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, complete, that which is done in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a, ch I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Pause. So we realize that. You speak as a child, you understood as a child, and you thought as a child. That's childish because you're doing it all backwards. Now, it talked about talks about in the following chapter how we need to be, be children of malice. So we need to make sure we don't have bad intents, but we should not be children in understanding. So we need to grow. So what happens then? This is completely backwards, childishness, because you speak before you think. And before you understand things versus when you think you understand. So you understand where did this thought come from? Is this my thought? Is this a God thought? No, I'm casting this down. Then I speak instead of just speaking off the fly, unless you're being led by the spirit, because the spirit will give you words, even when you don't necessarily know what to say. But the thing is, you begin to think before you speak. That is a sign of maturity. And even if you thought about the thing and you know, you know what, this person's not going to like what I said, but it needs to be said, because if I lie about this, it's going to be worse off. You still thought before you spoke and you thought about the consequences of what's going to happen. Even if you don't like the immediate reaction, you know, the down the line reaction is going to be better. So continuing on for now, we see through a glass or a mirror darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, remember when we talked about walking in darkness, so you may not see everything. 
but we continue to move forward. So now we only know a part, but then I shall be known even as I am. So we're, the point of this Christian life is to get to perfection. That's why I keep saying, don't speak. I'm not perfect over my life because the Bible talks about the point of this life is perfection. So I'm not going to keep speaking. I'm not complete because I'm in Christ. I'm complete in Christ and I'm continuing to walk in that way. So I'm not going to speak in completion over my life. Now, I may not be flawless, you know, that doesn't mean I'll never make a mistake, but we need to be careful of the things that we say, because you can have what you say. Uh, so continuing on now abideth faith, hope and charity or love. And the greatest of these three is charity. The way that faith and hope operates is under the covering of love. Everything spiritual for it to be effectual and fervent has to be done in love. So things can appear like they're in love. Because we have a new definition of love, but it's not effectual unless it's done under the covering of God. So first, it must be done under the covering of God. And also, we must have the good intentions because the word of the Lord is like a sword that divides between our heart and our intent. So our intentions must be right. And people may not always receive that. The world will hate you for it. Worldly Christians will hate you for it. But you have to keep love. And in order to be effective in the spirit, it has to be through love. And the thing is about love, even when you do wrong, you don't rejoice over that. You don't defend yourself. You say, I'm wrong and I need to fix that. Because like I said, we're not flawless. We, we're going to mess up from time to time. We, you know, that's just part of life. But we're not going to expect that. We're going to hope for all things. We're going to press towards the mark. We're going to press towards perfection and live a repentant life. Meaning I'm not necessarily living a life of sorrow, even though godly sorrow brings forth repentance. That's the thing. Godly sorrow brings forth repentance. So sorrow and repentance are two different things. Repentance is change. It's turning to God, turning away from your wicked ways and growing. So we continue to grow. So we're no longer children, thinking like children, speaking like children, understanding like children. But we're becoming knowledgeable because we grow in the knowledge and the grace of God, as Peter says. So I've made a decently sized episode. And it's all by the grace of God. And I thank God for his love that he's shown in my life that I don't deserve. That He shows you for giving you life even right now. And I pray that we would understand what love is in our life, in those around us, in our, those, you know, in our father and our mother, the purpose of their love, whether they were good or bad. In our relationships, should you get married one day or anything like that. And when you see this, you, you understand why love is and what love really means. And we understand the basic revelations of life and the understand the cleansing, clean, clean understanding, the perfect doctrine that is in Christ. Because all scripture is profitable for correction and reproof. So we need to be corrected by the word. But we, we got to be thankful for it. His word covers us. It brings security so that we don't have to fear. And then even if we mess up, which we should not be living a lifestyle of mess ups, but every mistake that we make, because the mistakes aren't always necessarily sent unto death. The mistake could be something simple because God told you to do something specifically. And if you know to do right and you don't do it, then it's sent unto you. So there's sins that are specific to you as an individual. So even when you mess up, you get corrected and you make that correction and you keep going forward. But, you know, I'm covered. Even if I have to get chased and I'm covered and I'm going to keep walking in this covering and I'm not going to leave it. I'm not going to be like the prodigal son and leave it. But the thing is, if you're the prodigal son listening right now, you can get back in that covering. 
That's the purpose. Love is a covering. And we learn to love others when they make mistakes. We don't talk about them negatively like most a lot of us do, unfortunately, in the church. But the point of love is to restore in meekness because I could be in the same place. And I could be in the same place any day, even trying to help you out of your place. I can end up in your place. So hating the garment that is spotted by the fire, as Jude says, and helping each other in meekness and with wisdom in God, but also being loving. It always brings to restoration. It always brings forth life, even if we don't like it in the moment. It always brings forth life. It's a covering. It's protection. And we don't have to be fearful. So. As this episode comes to a close, I pray that you get revelation and let us close out with prayer and then that'll be it. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you provided for us. So thank you for your covering of love, that secret place that we have in you. Father, I pray, Lord, that your love will work within us, within our mind, within our heart, within our soul, within our spirit and our body. I pray, Lord, that you would take a hold of our spirit and light our candle and guide us. I pray that you would awaken our ears to learn that we would hear your word, that we would be cleansed by your word, that we'd be guided by your word. We would be cleansed entirely and that every tiny crack within us would be sealed, just like the ark was sealed within and without, that you would seal us within and without. So then we could be like the lady at the well who was once broken and once not living in truth, but now able to hold the truth, the spirit of sincerity, to hold the truth in sincerity and to move forward in sincerity and love because you are the way and the truth and the life. And I pray, Lord, that we would stay under your covering and that we would hold this revelation of the covering so that we can have our prayers answered, that we can know your will and that we could express your will. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the knowledge, wisdom and understanding to do this and the grace ultimately. Because it's only by your grace that we've received in faith that we can continue moving forward. So we submit to your will. We submit to your love. And we continue to push forward your message, your gospel and peace and agreement with you. So we thank you, Father. And we praise you for all that you've done and all that you're getting ready to do. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Deeper Waters Podcast. And I pray that you guys have a wonderful day in the love of the Lord. Continually pray for your own, pray on your own and read on your own and learn the love for yourself. Get into that meditation and get your own revelation within the word of God. But until next time, thank you guys for listening and God bless.